All right. Good morning and happy Mother's Day. If, if it wasn't clear from the video, the staff got together and made all the ladies in the church soap and you get some on your way out. Sorry, fellas, you're going to have to remain stinky. But, uh, but you like it, obviously, otherwise you would have changed at this point. So uh, uh, we're, we love our moms and all the ladies in the house get a, a, a bar of soap on the way out of here. And it was all the church staff, some of the families of the church staff, and Jess and Tyler and River also helped with this. Are they here today? I don't know. I thought I saw Tyler. Yeah, they were part of this too. So can we thank the staff for helping out with that? So good. And uh, we're here to celebrate and, and thank moms today on Mother's Day. If, if we could, uh, if you're a mother, please remain seated. But if you're not a mother, would you stand up and let's give the moms a standing ovation. Thank you so much, moms. Appreciate you. Honor you today. Thank you. Well done. So we don't just have moms in the room today, though we're excited about moms. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to share a message that I think is going to speak to everybody and have something for everyone, though it will be un- uniquely suited for moms. But I did want to share just a couple of quick thoughts to moms as a, as a blessing and encouragement to you today. Um, one of the things that I want you to know is this, that moms, you have the most important job in the world. And I realize that when you have kids, you're now a mom, and that's sort of a job that you hopefully wanted, and maybe you didn't, but you have it now, right? Um, but it's, it's, a, it's not just a, a job that falls on you by default. It is a tremendously valuable, impactful role that God has called you to play. And it's so uh, integral to the functioning of a healthy church, a healthy family, healthy society, that moms and dads would play their part in what God has ordained for them to play. And that leads me to my second thought for moms is that only you can do that role. Man, we love dads. We love fathers. We're going to celebrate fathers and challenge and encourage fathers on Father's Day. But today it's Mother's Day and we're encouraging you moms that only you can do that role. Nobody can take your place. That's something that God has positioned you to do, even on the days when you might feel tired, discouraged, bummed out, covered in peanut butter, whatever is going on that takes place in the regular, uh, the regular day of a mom, which, by the way, I don't have any experience of. Uh, I've just heard by reputation, right, by rumor, but I know it gets hard, and I want to encourage you not to give up because God created you for that job. He's positioned you for that role. And your influence and investment in your children is absolutely beautiful. It's incredible. You know, it's sad to me that as a society, we've, we've, we really value things based on personal accomplishment rather than the uh, investment that we make in each other. But in eternity, you're not going to have the empires that were built. You're not going to have the businesses that were built. You're not going to have the external things. What we're going to have is the treasure of relationship and people so as we invest into people, this is a, a, an absolutely core Christian idea. We invest into people, and that's where real treasure is at that lasts and remains. And so moms, as you raise those kids and those ordinary everyday things that you're doing, you're doing a great job. And my last point to you moms is this. You're doing better than you think you are. Now again, I'm not a mom. I've never played a mom on TV. I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Uh, I am definitely a dad. I'm not confused about that. I know I'm not a mom. And, uh, but what I have seen with a lot of moms is that in the day-to-day grind, uh, the struggle of raising kids, uh, how many of you just wish kids would just behave when you told them to, you know, (laughs) 
that they would just come pre, pre-raised, you know, it's like their, their worldview and their morals and, you know, their behavior is all, they come out and just boom, you know, they're, they're ready to go. But that's not the case. And so in that day-to-day grind of being a mom, uh, oftentimes there's discouragement and even feeling like, am I even making a difference? Because we don't, we don't necessarily see the everyday investments paying off right away in the particular moment. But moms, you're doing better than you think you are. The fact that you show up, that you're consistent, that you love your kids, you're pouring into them, you're doing a great job. Please be encouraged today. There was a, a video we watched a couple, couple years ago at Mother's Day. And in the video, there was this phrase to moms. And it said, moms, your normal might be their, speaking of the children, their magic. Your normal might be their magic. And I, I think about that. And this is what we're going to talk about today. The, the value of those little, seemingly insignificant things that make a huge difference in the lives of kids. I think about my wife, Bethany, you know, with our kids, the Saturday morning, making those. Well, that's my day, Saturday morning. So this is Friday morning those Mickey Mouse ear pancakes. And it's that little extra something that might feel like not a big deal, but it, it definitely puts something in the hearts of those, those children that are there. And so moms, we're, we're celebrating you today. And today, in honor of moms and for all of us, I wanna talk about the value of little things and how there are no little things, that God uses the little things, the little faithfulness, the, the small things in our life to create great destiny in us. In 2002, over 400,000 kids took the ACT exam. Out of that number, 58 managed to earn an almost unimaginably elusive perfect score. That's only a hundredth of 1%. One of those kids was Christopher Williams, the son of Tad and Susan from Russell, Kentucky, population 3,645. After word got out regarding Christopher's astounding accomplishment, the family was besieged with questions. What prep course had their son been enrolled in? Princeton Review? Kaplan? These were highly regarded prep courses that carried a price tag as high as $250 an hour. The family responded, no. Chris hadn't been enrolled in an expensive program. In fact, he had no preparation for the test at all. Well, that was not technically true. He had been in a prep course, just not one of the typical or official ones. Tad and Susan had actually given their son something amazing. From the time he and his brother were infants all the way through adolescence, Tad and Susan had read aloud to their sons for 30 minutes a night, even after they learned to read for themselves. That simple yet repeated investment paid off in a serious way. Little things make a big difference. Little things make a big difference. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, Jesus is giving the parable of the talents. This is one of his great stories. And and this parable is specifically meaningful because it's describing the way the kingdom of God functions. So in juxtaposition to the way the natural world operates and how maybe we think in a natural way, Jesus gives us this story about this master that that goes away and he leaves these servants with various levels of uh, investment. And this is the words of the master that Jesus gives us. He said, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little I will set you over much. Enter, enter into the joy of your master. Lord, I thank you today for your word. I pray that as we celebrate moms and we honor them today, that Lord, it wouldn't just be a day for mothers to learn and be encouraged and equipped, but each of us, all of us as your followers today would leave this place equipped and encouraged, that Lord, we'd have a, a fresh revelation of your word, that God, we'd see the value 
of faithfulness in little things, faithfulness in natural and seeing breakthrough in the supernatural, faithfulness in the small, seeing breakthrough in the big, that Lord, we would be faithful to the seed that you've given it to us to plant and see the harvest that you want to bring forth in our life. God, I pray this principle from your word would go into our hearts, it would go into our minds and it wouldn't just leave out the other ear and be gone when we walk out and go eat something good, but Lord, we would grow today, we would receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we talk about the power of little things, it's important to understand that life itself is a test of how we handle the little things. And so I want you to ask yourself this question today, but also this week as you reflect back on the sermon, as you take very amazing detailed notes, as each morning you wake and say, what did Pastor Jake from from God share to us this week? I know this is how we treat sermons every week, so I'm not worried about that, but no, I'm just teasing. Okay, but I do want you to ask yourself this question. What has God put in my hands and what am I doing with it? What has God put in my hands and what am I doing with it? You see, many times we look at the harvest or the outcome and we fail to see that which we possess, which is in seed form, that is representative of of that which could be, but which requires investment in the near term, in the short term. This is something that as a culture we struggle with. We love the story of the overnight success. And believe me, I would love to be an overnight success, right? There was once a, a great, I forget who it was, but they said, what, how did you become uh, an overnight success? How did your success come so quickly? And he said, well, I'm an overnight success, but it was a really long night. Who was it? Christine Kane. Okay, so not a man. Yes, <laughs> it was a woman, an awesome preacher. As a culture, we love the story of the overnight success. We love the story of the startup where they had a good idea, went into the garage, tinkered with it for a few hours, and then the next day become a Fortune 500 company. The story of the lottery winner, you know, the guy who goes down to the shop outside of uh, Eugene and puts the numbers in and all of a sudden has $300 million or that type of a thing. We, We love that kind of a story. And it is exciting, it is fun, but you know, the principle of life and how things work is often your pathway to success will not be all of a sudden, it will be in the small little investments on a daily basis. Amen? And so when we ask ourselves, what has God put into my hands? Here's something that I want to share with you that is deep in my heart for every one of us as disciples. That whether you are a pastor, whether you are a plumber, whether you are a painter, or any other job that starts with P, or anything else... Every single day that you would wake up and say, God, I'm going to do what you've put in my hands to the best of my ability as unto you. I'm going to do this for your glory. That God, if, if you were in my shoes and you were working at this auto body shop, or God, if you were in my shoes and you were making donuts, if you were in my shoes and you were preaching sermons, if you were in my shoes and you fill in the blank of whatever your vocation is right now, And you go, well, I'm not in the job that I want to do for the rest of my life. That's not what's important right now. But whatever God has put into your hands right now, am I doing something as unto the Lord with what God has put in my hands? Try to give this idea to our children on a regular basis. We we had a direct conversation about it in the last few weeks. They said something, and I don't know if it was about me playing FIFA on the Xbox or maybe playing soccer with the Joy soccer team. But they're like, why do you take it so seriously? And I said, well, here's the deal. Mom and I, we believe in doing everything as unto the Lord. And then as a parent, I always do this. I'll go, do you know what that means? And I know they don't, but I want them to ask. So they're like, no, dad, please tell us, oh, wise and (laughs) benevolent father. 
get my bubble pipe and, you know, I will tell you. So I said, here's what it means to do things as unto the Lord. I said, our worship in life doesn't just take place on Sunday morning when we come to church and we sing songs. Our worship is about everything in our life, our affection, our attention, our allegiance, everything in us that it's, it's directed towards God. God gets glory when I look like him. When as his son, I begin to operate the way he operates. I begin to think the way he thinks. I begin to do uh, what he does. And what, when God does something, he does it with excellence. So to do something as unto the Lord means to take something as sacred that might seem really simple and treat it with great honor and respect. You see, we live in a culture in which people go, I will be faithful when you give me a lot. When I win the lottery, then I'll, then I'll learn how to manage money. And what do we know happens? No, you end up buying a yard full of gold-plated pink flamingos. You know, and people lose it. They end up raising up that double wide, a couple extra feet off the ground. You know what I mean? And it just, you didn't know how to manage money before. You're not going to know now. We live in a culture that says, when you make me, when you put me as a manager, then I'll learn how to, how to manage. When you give me a leadership and a title and authority, then I'll learn how to manage people. And that's not how the kingdom of God operates. Jesus said, this is how the master views it. He says, if you're faithful in little, if God can hand you what appears to be insignificant and you steward it with all of the grace that you can, all of the excellence as unto the Lord, then he can trust you with more. But again, as a culture, we want the instant success. We want the microwave sort of results. That's not how the kingdom of God operates. And so life is a test of how we handle the little things. And if you get this principle, you're going to do so well in everything in life. I love sort of these keystone uh, principles and ideas. You can apply this to your marriage. You can apply this to your relationship with Jesus. You can apply this to your work. You can apply it to everything. If, you, if God can get through to you today and change how you think about little things, what seems insignificant, and if you're faithful and you do it as unto the Lord, whatever God puts in your hands, again, whether you're preaching on a Sunday on a stage or you're going out on a Monday to, to fix pipes as a plumber, if God can get this into your heart and mind, you can do great things. He's building a great destiny in you. This is what it says in Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly that all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. The power of God inside of you can blow your mind, can do way more than you think is even possible. He's already working in you. Think about how powerful the work of salvation is. Think about how powerful the work of grace that God has given to us. And that applies to all things in our life. Here's the reality about the God that we serve. He can do a whole lot with a whole little. I love the story when Jesus is with his disciples and he has multitudes and he's preaching and everybody's getting a little hangry and Jesus decides he's going to use this moment to test his disciples, to encourage them, to, to teach them something. And he says, I want you guys to give them something to eat. That's a big job. We've done some banquets and things for groups of a few hundred. And when I say we, I mean Bethany and I'm there cheerleading. You know what I mean? And by cheerleading, I mean eating it. So... But we've done some big banquets and things. And feeding a few hundred people is a lot of work. Anybody done any of that? Where's Frank? Frank, that's a lot of work, isn't it? Come on. It's hard to feed a lot of people. Uh, and everybody complains. And they want, well, I want mustard online. And I don't want mustard. Well, you're going to get it. You're going to like it, right? <laughs> so Jesus has his disciples. And he goes, you give them something to eat. There are 5,000 men, probably about 20,000 people all together. 
And of course, his disciples are full of faith, full of vision. No, they're full of fear. And they're like, we don't have anything. And Jesus says, well, find out what you do have. And so they go and they find a boy that has five loaves and two fish. He had two and a half McFish sandwiches or whatever. (laughs) He'd gone by McDonald's on the way. And that's all they had. Now, I know there was some dude back there who was selfish with a bag of Doritos. It could have been the miracle of the spicy nacho uh, multiplication, but that's not what happened. So this, this boy has his McFish sandwiches, and they bring these loaves and these fish to Jesus. And something that is absolutely not sufficient to meet the need in your hands, when you put it in Jesus' hands, it becomes a miracle provision. And again, this principle applies to everything in life. They say, Jesus, this is what we have. And they hand it to Jesus. And it says he blesses it and he breaks it and he hands it back. And they feed 5,000 men, probably about 20,000 people with this kid's lunch. Hopefully they gave him a little extra. I'm sure they did. They're like, you can have three McFish sandwiches, you know. He does this miracle of multiplication. That is the God that we serve. But here's the thing. In the natural, here's what we do. We tend to undervalue the seed and overvalue the tree. We overvalue the result and we focus on results. And we go, well, how come that person is prosperous? Well, you're thinking about the tree. What you should have been looking at is the seeds that they were planting. Oftentimes, the secrets of success are invisible to all but the person who was in secret planting seeds and now enjoying the harvest. But we go, well, why does that person have a healthy marriage? It's not fair. You can tell they just love each other a lot. When I see Jake and Bethany, they must just like get along all the time. They must have no personality conflicts. Bethany just dotes on Jake. She's like Sarah and she calls him Lord. You know, that's how their marriage works. It's true. Have you ever met us? Bethany and I almost think alike, which makes it difficult sometimes, huh? We'll be like arguing about something and then we figure out, oh, we're kind of thinking about it the same way. And then we compromise and I say, you're right. So, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. Uh, Bethany is amazing. But we, we don't have this perfect harmony. We, our entire first year of marriage was basically a big, long fight to the point. And I'm seriously, in all transparency, we, we didn't, it didn't just click for us. We didn't get married and people go, oh, my first year was like the honeymoon phase. We literally on our honeymoon, both of us were thinking, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh, we, we, we took a trip a couple years later, not years, a couple days later, weeks. We, we went on our honeymoon to England and the UK, which was incredible, beautiful time, it was wonderful. We come home and then we had, at the time we're leading this Bible college and so we had a mission trip to Ireland and so we went through daylight savings like twice, three times, I don't know what happened. Two trips across the pond, our, we were jet lagged, brand new married, and now we are responsible for 25 like 17 to 20-ish year olds in another country and people always want it their way and we're like, there's no McDonald's here. You're going to eat this blood pudding or whatever it is that's on the, <laughs> the plate. And, and we're in this place and we're fighting and we're literally in this old building on the Irish Sea uh, south of Dublin and we're, it, it was crazy to have this juxtaposition of this amazing cultural experience, this amazing, beautiful nation, beautiful people in Ireland uh, and then us just so having trouble as brand new married couple and yet we're the leaders so we have to kind of keep it together and both of us have all this 
stuff going on on the inside. And lucky for us, these beautiful people from Paul Reed's church in Northern Ireland had come down and they actually prophesied and they pulled us out. They said uh, to Bethany, they said, you're asking in your heart, have I made a mistake? You haven't made a mistake. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You know, thank you, Jesus. Uh, they said, you and Jake are like, one of you's the cart, one of you's the horse. And, one, and she's like, that's right, he's a jack. Anyways. <laughs> uh, and she was right. And uh, they said, one of you is like the big gear, one of you is like the small gear. And when it's on, it works so good. And God can do such beautiful things with you. But when it's off, it's really off. And we were like, oh. <laughs> but it was so healing to our hearts and so healing to our marriage. And you know what it caused us to do? We were, our marriage was perfect from then on. <laughs> it was a miracle fix. No, it actually caused us to go back and plant seeds. And I had to learn and unlearn a lot about how to love this incredibly beautiful, amazing, God-given gift to me and serve her and love her like Jesus loves the church. She had to learn how to love me and deal with my night terrors and psychoses and so on and so forth. And starting a million hobbies and, you know, whatever. But like God had to, has had to work in us and our, the story of our marriage is not the story of the forest, it's the story of the seeds. It's the story of the conversations and the late nights and the talking through things and the going, oh, I guess I don't know everything and I'm not right 100% of the time. It's all of this. And how many of you that have a healthy marriage that somebody could look at and go, man, that's what I want. And you think they fell into it. You didn't. You built it. Come on. You had to invest some of, some, some of you are in marriages right now and you've been thinking the grass is greener on the other side. No, it isn't. It's greener where you water it. Yeah. It's green where you invest. Little things make a big difference. We, we undervalue the seed. We overvalue the result. But if we would reverse this and go, you know what? I'm going to get really excited about seed planting, sowing and reaping. I'm going to sow seeds of faithfulness and grace and kindness into my children, into my marriage, into my job that I hate. And when you hate your job and you complain and you curse it, guess what? You're prohibiting, the, you're, you're actually prolonging what God wants you to get out of that place. Because God wants you to embrace it and change the atmosphere and be a leader and be a, a thermostat, not just a thermometer. Come on. If you're a son or a daughter of the one true king, you're called to invade every space you're in with kingdom purpose and value and begin to invest in the little things. And you think, well, what does it matter if I get there early and leave late? What does it matter? It matters because you give glory to God. You do it as unto the Lord. Little things make a big difference. I'm going to give you a couple thoughts today about little things. Do you know that in life, winning little becomes winning big and losing little becomes losing big? When I uh, think about weight loss and, and things like that, I've kind of always struggled with eating. I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm kind of for it. I'm pro. <laughs> but historically, I've, I've overvalued uh, the food of kings rather than the food of rabbits. You know, I, I, like, to, I like to eat good stuff. And, and so Bethany and I, in the month of May, we're trying to do kind of a clean eating, uh, healthiness type kick. And we were going to have some guests come in and she said, okay, just be aware. We have some guests. We're going to be eating out. And I'm like, I go white and she knows me very well. So she's like, it's okay. You might not lose weight. You might go up a little bit. And I'm like pale faced, you know, cause I go, babe, when I fall off the wagon, the wagon runs over me. <laughs> it's crazy. But it's, if I like cheat a little bit with some ice cream or whatever, it's crazy how the whole carton, it falls out of the freezer. <laughs> and it's like, where did that go? 
Have you ever, you know, like wondered where the ice cream went and then you like looked down and you knew? Um, so there's something for me about that habit and keeping the streak alive and, and, and all of that and recognizing the pattern in life that when we, we begin to lose a little bit of traction and ground, it kind of leads to bigger things. But it works the other way too. The positive side is when you begin to rack up some small victories and some small wins, all of a sudden, and you're being faithful in those things, then that winning big comes. And let's apply this spiritually. You know, when we talk about reading our Bible, praying every day, we don't do that for God. When I read my Bible, God doesn't go like, man, I feel closer to myself. God doesn't become more godly. He doesn't get more powerful when I read my Bible. You know who gets to be more like God? Me. So we do our daily spiritual habits and disciplines, not for God, we do them for ourselves. And they benefit us. But why is it so important? Why every day is it important to read your Bible, to pray, to make some time and meet with Jesus? Why? Because little things add up to big things. And if you want to have a healthy, intimate, strong relationship with Jesus, if you want to have the ability to hear his voice even in the midst of the storm, you need to learn to tune in when it's quiet. The, the, the little things, that faithfulness, it leads to a life of faithfulness and it leads to a life of connection with God. Amen? Little things, little things. And we all believe this principle. Maybe you're going, well, I don't know if I believe it. No, you do. I guarantee it. Because we understand sometimes little things pack a big punch. I grew up in Southern Oregon and down there we had a lot of uh, black widow spiders. The black widow spider is literally the scariest name and the scariest looking spider. It's black and shiny and it has the red hourglass on its stomach. And in Southern Oregon, I tell you what, if you were going to get under your house or you were going to uh, do anything under the eaves of a house or whatever, you were always watching and looking out for those black widows. And nobody that got bit by a black widow would go, ah, little spider, doesn't matter. Because when your hand starts turning necrotic and the flesh starts dying, and how many of you know you care about a little thing and you act in a big way? Oh, I got bit by a little rattlesnake. No big deal. <laughs> okay, Crocodile Dundee. Well, I would care. We, we do believe this. We understand that sometimes those little things have a big punch. So here's a challenge for you when we talk about little things making a big difference. What is, what is something God is putting in your heart as I talk today that is a small change that you can make. You see, one of the things that we always talk about, we believe this, it's one of our mantras, is that there's always a next step with Jesus. And a lot of times what we do, and, and I know I do this, is I go, well, if I can't take a big flying Superman leap, leaping a tall building in a, in a single bound in my relationship with Jesus, then I won't do anything. And actually what the voice of the Holy Spirit might be saying is, how about you give me 15 minutes a day and we just meet together? Why don't you begin to trust God with something like tithing, where we get, begin to put him first in our finances? What if you begin to be faithful in the little thing about being faithful at church every Sunday? Did you know one of the, most, the greatest and most powerful acts of spiritual warfare that you can do for yourself, for your family, for your neighbors, for your workplace, and for the world is to be faithful to come to church and participate on a weekly basis? <gasps> I know, the profundity that falls from these lips sometimes is shocking, even to me. I am so humbled, honored, and graced. My parents put this in me from a young age. Even on vacation, it was like, we go to the house of the Lord every week. And what is the message that is being sent to your children 
when you just make God's house first in your week. What does that say? It says, this is where, this is what we're about. This is what we care about. And it's interesting to me because so many parents are like, hey, Pastor Kayla, Pastor Kyle, fix my kid. But if you're not being faithful to have them in the house of the Lord since they were six, five, four, three, two, one, right? And up and up and up. What happens is you're asking somebody to fix something that's already kind of being programmed by something else. We don't, as a society, take very kindly to somebody who doesn't, doesn't put their children in school. You know, like the Schmelzer kids, they, we homeschool our kids, but we take it very seriously. And when they're not taking it seriously, we have a big time come to Jesus talk. So we sit down. You know what a come to Jesus talk is? It's like, you better shape up or else. I don't know why we bring Jesus into it, but that's what it is. So we sit down and I, I tell my kids, and we've had probably two or three of these in the past couple of months. Like, look, your job is to love God, obey your parents, keep your room clean, you know, and you're going to do your school. And you're going to do your school as what? As unto the Lord. When you do your math homework, when you work on your, what math? I don't like math either, but I don't want, I don't want to be, you know, 60 years old and somebody's like, how come those Schmelzer kids are all morons and they can't add four plus four? Like, this is about my glory too, kids. Come on. And mom's glory. But it's also about the glory of God. And we take the things that God has put into our hands to do very seriously. Little things make a big difference. Can I get an amen? amen. Second thought. Destiny is created daily. Did you know that you are sowing the seeds of your future today in both your life and in your, uh, in your own life and in the lives of others? Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Destiny is created daily. Destiny is not something that happens to you. Destiny is something you plant and then the garden of your destiny grows. Destiny is what God has called you to, but what he is calling you to in the future is also a calling today. And we have to learn how to connect the dots and go, what am I supposed to do today to get to the place where God would have me go tomorrow? And so if God has called, like he called me to be a pastor, to be in ministry, then there was hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of Bible study. There was education. There was investment. If God's called you to be an engineer, I sure pray to God that you've invested yourself to do that math that I'm trying to get my kids to do so those bridges that you build actually work. Come on, somebody. My, my uh, brother-in-law is a chemical engineer and it blows my mind when I'm like, Riley, what are you working on? And he says, he speaks Chinese for like five minutes. I don't understand any of it, but I know it's really dangerous and I'm really glad that he took some really good notes at Oregon State when he was getting that great education. They actually educate people. They can't play football, but they do a good job with that other stuff. Nah, I'm just kidding. They beat us this year. Can't even talk trash. I'm grateful that, that he was investing daily. The seeds of destiny are being planted every day. You know that with my kids, I wish that parenting was just a one-time seminar, that we could all just attend, you know, the this is what life is all about seminar, and it would be, you know, 12 weeks and then we were done, but that's not how it is. It's because information itself isn't enough. It's about impartation and investment in people on a day-to-day -day basis. And what we do on a daily basis has the most impact on our destiny. Uh, James Watkins says it this way, and I think this is beautiful and sums it up so well. A river cuts through rock 
not because of its power, but because of its persistence. Because of its persistence. Last but not least, last thought for you today is there's purpose in the process. Maybe you're a mom today and you're with, in that season of life with small kids and it feels like this is hard. I know Bethany would say this regularly. I've heard some of the other young moms say this, like, will I ever feel like myself again? I remember Bethany, when our kids were really little, um, struggling, like, I, I don't even, how do I read my Bible? How do I pray? How do I have this time with God? And just fighting for those moments. And, and uh, those times are difficult. Dads, we have our own stuff, but it's not about us today, so we're not talking about our, our stuff. But we all go through these things where in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the chaos of life, we can kind of feel like, what is the point? And the reality is that God is always at work. There is purpose in the process. I think about Moses, 40 years he grows up in Egypt and he's growing, being educated, learning how to be, learning how to walk like an Egyptian. He's getting all that. And then he has the great failure of his life. He's, he's wrestling with identity. Am I Hebrew? Am I Egyptian? He ends up trying to protect a Hebrew that's being beaten. He ends up killing an Egyptian. And so he flees into the wilderness. And then he spends another 40 years as a shepherd. He gets married. He has families with Jethro. Uh, and then at 80 years old, called by God to go back into uh, Egypt and to set the people free. So these three stages of life, 40 years is a long time. And Moses, at 40 years old, which is actually older than me, believe it or not, uh, he has to restart, reset, and get back in. And how could you do that if you didn't believe and understand? There's actually purpose in the process. There is actually a lot of setups in your setbacks, that God is actually doing something and at work in your day-to-day life, even when it doesn't feel like it. I think about David, who's called to be the king of Israel, and for 13 years is on the run literally for his life and has to camp without toilets and showers and all of that. He's not glamping. He's literally sleeping in caves and in the wilderness for 13 years. And yet there was purpose in the process because for a king to be the man that was after God's own heart and to have the humility and the grace to lead God's people, there needed to be a brokenness through that process. There is purpose in your process. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Don't despair about the day to day. Keep planting those seeds. Be faithful in the little and God will give you much. Your destiny is being created daily. For all of us, this is a powerful principle that has the power to change our lives. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes today? If you're here in this place and you go, Pastor, thank you for uh, those words, but... I need to start my journey of following Jesus. You know, every single Sunday, somebody comes to church and they're at that place where God's been working on you. And I know I didn't preach about the cross today. I didn't preach about the gospel necessarily, but man, it's there. It's there because there's purpose in the process. Everything that's gone before in your life, those things, God has brought you to this place. He's been leading and guiding you and he longs for you as his son or his daughter. And if you're here today and you say, I want to put my trust in Jesus Christ and I want to make him the Lord of my life and receive forgiveness for my sins, then I want to invite you to make that decision today. And if you would just lift up your hand, just raise your hand so I can see. Do it right now. Lift it up. Pastor Jake, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. Anybody here today? Lift it up. Just lift it up. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. And we're going to pray this prayer together. Repeat after me. We'll all pray together. Dear Jesus, 
I give you my heart. I give you my life. All the good and the bad. I surrender to you. Thank you for the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be right with God. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.